Today on Blue 58, the Packers are a game away from the playoffs, and all that stands in their way is the team that was on the receiving end of their very worst performance of the year. If the Packers can simply beat the Detroit Lions at Lambeau Field, they're in the postseason. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And it's another episode about a game that matters. For a long time, it wasn't clear if the final week of the season would be like that. But here we are. The Packers just have to beat the Detroit Lions to get into the playoffs. Who are the Detroit Lions? This is going to sound like an insult. I don't know if it really is. But the Lions are just kind of all over the map. They're not bad anymore. They're not a great team. They're just a team that could be something different each and every week. And they've gotten to 8-8 eight and eight by actually being a little bit unlucky this year. They're 2-4 and four in games that ended 2-4 um, and four in one-score games. That's what I was going to say. They haven't just beaten up on a whole ton of people. They've been beaten up on a couple of times. 29 to nothing at the end of the hands of the Patriots, 24 to 6 at the hands of the Cowboys. They did hammer the Bears pretty good last week, 41 to 10. They did beat the Jaguars 40 to 14 in week 13, but they've also been unlucky, let's say, in a couple of close games. They have, I'd say, underachieved a little bit. They've got a 1-point loss to the Bears on their record in week 10, and then a 3-point loss to the Seahawks in week 4 that really stand out. But on the other hand, their 15-9 to win over the Packers in Week 9 could really have changed their fortune and the Packers a lot. Just flip the results there, and Week 18 looks a lot different. By point differential, their expected win-loss record is 8.5 and 7.5. Half. half a game either way could really have shaped the Lions' season a lot differently. If they're at 9 wins right now instead of 8, Week 18 gets a lot more interesting. Their offense is really the defining feature of their team. Ben Johnson, their coordinator, obviously still running the show. Here in weeks, week 18, I almost said week 17, still used to that old 16-game schedule. Here in week 18, we can actually get a pretty good look at how they've compared to previous seasons now that Johnson has had a year at the helm. In terms of rushing DVOA, they're better. 26th last year, 15th this year. Packers, for comparison, are third. Passing DVOA, that's where they've seen the big jump. Uh, 28th last year, 15th, or 5th, not 15th, 5th in 2022. Packers are 15th this year. Overall offensive DVOA up to 6th in 2022 from 29th in 2021. Packers are 11th. And a lot of that, I think, is, is broken down to Jared Goff being slightly better and also having at least one better player to throw to. Goff is having one of the better years of his career. Ballparking it, I'd say he's at about 90 to 95% of where he was at his best in Los Angeles. With a guy playing like that, you can win enough games to be interesting. And lo and behold, here are the very interesting Detroit Lions. He's got a career-low interception percentage at 1.3%, down from 1.6% last year, both of which are significant drops from where he was toward the end there in Los Angeles. Taking care of the ball is really an easy way to be more efficient. And your pass catchers taking a step forward is a big deal as well. We'll talk about that here in a second. Of note as well, Jared Goff is also taking sacks at the second lowest rate of his career. Just 3.8% of his dropbacks end in a sack. That is another way to make your offense much more efficient. Avoiding sacks and avoiding turning the ball over is are two of the best things that a quarterback can do to help the offense. The offensive line, pretty good. 
overall. 15th in pass block win rate from ESPN, 12th in run block win rate, 6th in adjusted line yards from football outsiders. They make a lot of holes for their running backs. Second in adjusted out, uh, adjusted sack rate from football outsiders as well. They're not at fault for a lot of sacks. They're the 21st pass or 21st rated, excuse me, pass blocking team by Pro Football Focus, and they're also PFF's seventh best run blocking team. In summary, they are a better run blocking team than a pass blocking team, but the sacks they do give up aren't usually their fault. It's just Goff doing what quarterbacks do from time to time, and Goff really isn't taking that many sacks either. If we're playing find the weak link up front, there really aren't any of note. Frank Ragnow was hurt last week against the Bears, came out a little bit early, but he's also been battling a foot injury uh, most of the season. He was a DNP in practice yesterday as Wednesday as of this recording, and that's because of a foot injury that could and probably will require off-season surgery. He really hasn't practiced much this season, according to what I've read as well, but he also hasn't missed much time in-game either, and really the only reason he came out last week against the Bears wasn't because of a new injury, it's just because they were up so much, they figured they might as well get him a little bit of a break while they could. Outside of a potentially hobbled Ragnow, guards Evan Brown and Jonah Jackson both grade pretty poorly in pass blocking, so if you're looking for a weak spot, it's probably that. I might try to confuse them a little bit with a little bit more heat up the middle from the Packers linebackers, but I am not a defensive expert. Their passing game, though, really runs through Amon Ross St. Brown. 137 targets on the year, 100 catches, 1,112 yards so far this year. The proverbial straw that stirs the drink there. Everything builds off of what he can do on a down-in, down-out basis. However, that's not to say he is their only contributor because it gets pretty interesting from there. Former Jacksonville Jaguar DJ Chark is going to be in the lineup for this week. He was out the last time the Packers played the Lions. He played the first three weeks of the season that he got hurt, was out for a while, but has kind of come on strong down the stretch here. Over his last six games, he has 20 catches for 390 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 19 and a half yards per catch. While Chark was out, Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds were the primary pass catchers other than St. Brown, and of course DJ Hawkinson was in there as well, but he has since departed for Minnesota. Both Raymond and Reynolds are averaging 12.5 yards per catch or more. In addition, we need to note that the Lions now have first-round pick Jamison Williams in the lineup. He was the 12th overall pick this spring, but he hadn't played until week 13 because of a torn ACL from the national title game. Since then, he has just one catch on eight targets. That lone catch is a 41-yard touchdown. He has also carried the ball once for 40 yards. There are two things about him that really scare me. First, he's really, really fast, which is true also of Chark. Uh, St. Brown, not really a burner, but he gets open in other ways. And secondly, he is pretty much an unknown quantity. I don't think weeks 13 to 17 are really a good window to get a grasp on what he can do as a player. And also, I'm not sure the Lions have fully figured out how to integrate him as well. So it's a bit of an unknown quantity on both ends. The Lions are not entirely sure what to do with him yet. And the Packers probably aren't really super clear on what they're going to do to shut him down or if they need to. So both of those things make me a little bit wary of Jamison Williams. The Lions also throw quite a bit to DeAndre Swift, their running back. Of his 134 touches this year, 41 are catches. That's about 30%. For comparison, Jamal Williams has 258 touches and just 12 catches, 4.7%. Jamal Williams has never been that dangerous as a receiver, more reliable than dangerous, but the Lions just completely throw that out, say we're not going to throw the ball to you at all. In terms of the running game, 
it basically boils down to Jamal Williams. He is their workhorse, their bell cow, whichever animal metaphor you prefer. And he's having a great year, 994 yards, averaging four per carry. He's probably going to go over 1,000 yards this week at Lambeau Field, which would be pretty cool, kind of poetic there where it all started for him. He gets his first 1,000-yard season. Not too shabby. He also has 15 rushing touchdowns this year. And compared to what what he had in Green Bay, that's pretty outstanding. He had 10 total rushing touchdowns in Green Bay and 18 total touchdowns overall. Again, not too shabby. Good on you, Jamal Williams. Who should we know about? Well, we already mentioned Jamison Williams. I will throw this out there if there's one other guy you want to keep track of. Tight end Brock Ward has scored four touchdowns since TJ Hawkinson was traded. Maybe that's a fluke. Thought I would pass that along if you're looking for one more guy to worry about in the passing game. The Lions are going to throw a lot. They throw it. It is their it is their bread and butter. They want to throw the ball, and they have been pretty good at it so far this year. Interestingly, I think stopping the Lions offense starts with their run game. Because while Jamal Williams has never been a super explosive runner, he's always been consistent. And if you can consistently stop him from getting the yards that the the Lions need to stay on schedule, I think that forces the Lions to pass when they don't necessarily want to, which is a pretty small percentage of the time anyway. But it forces them to pass well. And when you force them to play in a significantly different way, you increase the odds of Jared Goff messing up. And betting on Goff messing up still seems like a pretty good strategy, even though he's been better this year. On defense, Aaron Glenn, of course, is still running the show as their defensive coordinator. He's still one of my favorite Madden picks ever. They are still historically bad in a lot of different areas. 29th in scoring, 32nd in yards allowed, 32nd in first downs allowed, 30th in passing yards allowed, 29th in rushing yards allowed. By DVOA, they are 25th overall. They are 22nd against the run and 27th against the pass. Pass defense alone, they are the worst graded team in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. They have an overall team coverage grade of 46.4. That is out of 100, of course. Dead last and kind of insane to get a grade that low. I don't think I've ever seen a season-long grade about that low. Do they cover anybody, I think, is a fair question. And they, the extent to which they don't cover anybody is significantly worse than anyone else in the league. The gap between the Lions and the 31st best team in the league in terms of pass grade or pass defense grade is the same as the gap between the 31st best team and the 27th best team. They're closer, the 31st best team is closer to 27th than they are to the 32nd team. That's how bad the Lions are. Their best graded coverage player in the secondary is safety Will Harris. Harris has allowed completions on 70% of the passes when he was the primary defender in coverage. The Lions give up a ton of yards through the air. The run defense isn't much better. They've got gaps at every level. The only guy in the front regularly making plays in run defense, and I say that with some significant caveats because even he is not doing it a ton, would be Aiden Hutchinson. So let's talk about him. Uh, We talked about him in comparison to Kayvon Thibodeau or Thibodeau this spring, well, earlier this, this season when the Packers played, not this spring. Hutchinson was taking a pick ahead of Thibodeau in the 2022 NFL draft. And so far, it's working out for the Lions. Seven and a half sacks for Hutchinson, three interceptions, including one against the Packers on what was probably Aaron Rodgers' worst throw of the season and one of the worst throws I've ever seen from him in his long career now. He's got seven tackles for loss, 13 quarterback hits, 50 pressures on 540 pass rushes. Just raw, not like the true pass set that Pro Football Focus uses sometimes. We we do it on the raw numbers. 
uh, when we, we talk about season-long stuff, we will probably add in the, the true pass sets as a tracking mechanism for next year. But just for a way of comparison, uh, 50 pressures on those 540 rushes for Hutchinson is a rate of 9.26%. Rashawn Gary was at 5.26% in 2018. So he's been a bit ahead of where Gary was. Uh, that is a rate stat, so it really isn't dependent on opportunities. Hutchin was prob- Hutchinson was probably a little bit more polished than Gary was coming out of Michigan anyway. Gary still is probably the long-term better player. I think his ceiling is higher than Hutchinson's, but Hutchinson has been pretty good. Overall, I'd say he looks like a promising pass rusher still figuring things out, which is not a bad place to be as a rookie, considering that the Lions were, were looking at this as you would have to think a still rebuilding year anyway. And uh, they have built, I think, faster than even they probably anticipated. In terms of number, some of the numbers that we track, production ratio and ball hawks, James Houston leads the way in production ratio for the Lions. His rate is 2.5. This is insane and hilarious. He was a sixth round pick in the 2022 NFL draft, but didn't play until week 12. What has happened for James Houston since then? All he's done is record eight sacks in six games as a sixth round rookie from this year. He has eight sacks and 110 defensive snaps. I say it frequently on this podcast, but just keep watching sports and you never know when you're going to see something that you've never seen before. Houston doing that falls into that category. And I think it's it's pretty cool. It's a cool story. Hopefully it's not the sort of thing that's going to wreck the Packers game and with it their season, but it's still pretty cool. Romeo Aquara is at a 1.0 production ratio. He is back in the lineup this year after tearing his Achilles last year. I hate hearing about Achilles injuries because they frequently describe them as Achilles ruptures versus Achilles tears. And if you ask me, a ruptured Achilles sounds so much worse than merely a tear, and a torn Achilles sounds plenty bad. Hutchinson's production ratio is a 0.9, which is fine for a rookie. Look, he's plenty productive. He's getting after the quarterback. Nothing to worry about there. Nobody else of note really on their defense in terms of raw production getting after the quarterback. Where should the Packers attack then? Well, going after their their secondary is not a bad idea because they don't really have a ton of playmakers back there. Circling back to our ball hawks, Hutchinson's leads the, leads the way with 13 and a half. Not just sacks for him, which is interesting. He makes some plays in pass defense as well. Three sa- or three interceptions is not really a fluke at this point, you'd have to say. For comparison, though, Quay Walker has 11 and a half of these plays on the ball. This year, he gets after the ball plenty, too. Elsewhere in the, the Lions secondary, you've got Kirby Joseph with 11 ball hawks and, and quarterback Jerry Jacobs with 10. It's, it's not a secondary that makes a lot of plays on the ball, as you might guess by the number of yards they allow and their overall coverage grade. So where should the Packers attack the Lions defense? If you want to copy and paste the, your game plan from the Rams game, that's probably a pretty good way to go about things because you're more or less just starting with the the running game there and trying to build from that point. I think that's where the Packers need to be right now. They can't fall too in love with the pass, though I think there are going to be opportunities there. The Lions have a pretty solid special teams unit. They are Pro Football Focus's top-graded special teams unit. They are ranked 8th by Football Outsiders DVOA metric. Pretty good either way. Kicker Michael Badgley is the fourth of four kickers they've used this year. He's made 18 of 21 kicks on the season, 31 of 31 point afters. He does not kick off regularly for the Lions, which is noteworthy given who the Packers have back there now. But who is kicking off for the Lions? That would be punter Jack Fox, and he is a big-legged punter, averaging 48.7 yards per punt. His kickoffs 
however, are noteworthy because he's kicked off 60 times so far this year, and he has 48 touchbacks in those 60 kickoff attempts. He is averaging 4.11 seconds of hang time per kickoff, which is second in the league among players with at least 20. Mason Crosby, for comparison, is 36th out of 36 kickers. He has an average hang time of just 3.6 seconds, half a second worse than Fox per kickoff. I would expect the Lions to try to just kick it so deep that even Keyshawn Nixon isn't going to try to bring it out. But even if he does, they've been pretty good on coverage units as well this year. Their kick and punt returners are Justin Jackson and Khalif Raymond, respectively. Jackson has 21 kickoff returns this year, averaging 26.9 per return. Uh, Their punt returner, Khalif Raymond, is averaging 13.2 yards per return on 20 returns. Last time around. I think the less said about last time, the better. So you won't spend a lot of time belaboring the point. I think it is an example of a game where you can't just look at the box score and say, huh, Lions 15-9. Well, they really shut down the Packers, though. Technically, yes. But the Packers also, they didn't just shoot out, shoot themselves in their foot. They like went out of their way to aim the gun at their foot, pull the trigger repeatedly, and then reload and you know shoot it at their foot a few more times, figuring, hey, we got to hit this thing sooner or later. They were so bad in the red zone that it almost beggars belief. A team with a quarterback that has won four MVPs should not be this bad in the red zone. A team with a play caller as good as Matt LaFleur, even if you don't think Matt LaFleur is one of the great play callers in the NFL, he's certainly one of the better ones. He's certainly in the top half. They should not be as bad in the red zone as the Packers were against the Lions last time around. And that is why my paths to victory for the Packers this week come down to one thing. Don't be stupid on offense. I think it's that simple. Don't be stupid. Don't turn the ball over. Don't take sacks. You don't have to. And for goodness sake, convert in the red zone. And I don't mean field goals. It's got to be touchdown because the Lions are going to score points. So do we think the Packers are going to win this week? That's the ultimate question. Are they going to get into the playoffs with a win over the Lions? I think the answer is yes. I think regardless of what happens with the Seahawks, I think regardless of what it happens with the... Um, Ongoing discussions about maybe adding an eighth playoff team, which seems insane, but here we are after the events of of last weekend uh, with DeMar Hamlin, and we haven't mentioned it on this podcast, but every prayer he can spare his way. Uh, It sounds like things are going much better, but that was, of course, a very scary scene. Um, The NFL adding an eighth playoff team seems like a bit of an overcorrection, but um, if that ends up being the case, that changes the stakes for Packers and Lions a little bit. But regardless of what happens, if the Packers get help from the Seahawks and make the game meaningless for the Lions, if the if the NFL doesn't indeed add an, an eighth playoff team, I think they're still going to get everything the Lions can give them. That just seems to be who they are under Dan Campbell. They're just going to come out firing. They don't care if they are out of it. They don't care if you are supposed to be so much better than them. They will... Well, they'll continue to bite your kneecaps, put it that way. So why do I think the Packers are going to win? A couple of reasons. 
first, the Packers offense is now fully functional. Whatever else happened in that disaster way back when the Packers played them last time, I think it's fair to point out that the Packers didn't necessarily have all their pieces available. And the pieces they did have available weren't really fully integrated. A big part of Christian Watson's growth this year hasn't just been getting healthy, hasn't just been getting on the field, it's been figuring out his role in the offense. And last time around, they weren't quite there yet. They had just come off the the Bills game where they supposedly had a package of plays designed for Christian Watson only to see him get injured early in that game, the concussion knocking him out. Uh, he returned the next week, but it still was kind of that package play sort of situation. Now, Christian Watson is a part of the Packers' offense to the extent that they've gone out of their way to release Sammy Watkins. They're not trying to to have half measures here anymore. Whatever this 2022 offense is, whether it's Christian Watson or the rest of it, I think this is the best version of it. The offensive line is settled and healthy. The wide receivers like Watson and I think even Dobbs and Ture, for that matter, are a full go. Alan Lazard is healthy. Randall Cobb is, is healthy. And the running backs are healthy and clicking too. Whatever this offense was going to be in 2022, this is pretty much it. Secondly, if it comes down to the two defenses, the Lions defense, the Packers defense, look, I'm not saying the Packers defense is great, but I think if there's a defense that's going to blink, it's going to be the Lions. They've given up more big plays. They've given up more yards. They've given up more points. They are more apt to blow this game for their offense than I think the Packers' defense is. That is not to say it is impossible for the Packers' defense to blow this game for the offense, either. But between the two, I think it's much more likely that the Lions are going to make more mistakes than the Packers' defense, which should put the Packers' offense in position to put up more points, which should put more pressure on the Lions' offense, which plays into the hands of the Packers' defense, too. I think the Packers are going to win. I think the Packers are going to the playoffs, and then who knows what happens from there. A lot of you agree with me, too. Our weekly Twitter poll, which we haven't talked about in a while since it hasn't been clear what's going to happen with the Packers for a while. It hasn't even been clear if any of these games they were playing mattered. But 92.2% of voters think the Packers are going to win this weekend. That is the highest it's been since uh, since 98.3% of voters said they were going to win way back in week four. Additionally, about 92 to 93% of voters think the Packers are going to make the playoffs, which would be right in line with the win because they got to win to get in. So uh, that is not super surprising. But what is interesting and amusing is that that is a pretty big jump from where they were not too long ago. Back on week 13, just 3.3% of voters thought the Packers would make the playoffs this year. Now, more than 9 out of 10 think the Packers are going, and I am one of them. As a parting thought, just want to thank you all again for being a part of this. It's been an interesting season. It's been an unusual season. But it's been enjoyable, above everything else, to make stuff for you so that we can talk about this team together. Figuring out what the Packers are in 2022 has been an 18-week process. But here we are. The Packers are what I think they wanted to be in 2022. And they've got one game against a divisional opponent to put it all together and make the playoffs. That's a fun story to have watched. 
And I think having fun is all any of us can ask because we can't affect the outcome on the field. We can't do anything to shape this roster. We just get to sit back and watch and figure it out right along with the team that's trying to do it too. And here we are. So thank you for enjoying that ride with me. And I hope it's a ride that continues for one more week. If not, we're going to go out seeing the Packers be the team that they wanted to be in 2022. It might have been a little bit later than they hoped, but at least it's arrived. So now let's see what they can do with their backs against the wall. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I hope you enjoyed this episode, previewing the Packers-Lions matchup. If you did, it would mean a lot to me if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to get more people involved in the conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.